0: The following audio is from Maple City Baptist Church in Chatham, Ontario. For more information about Maple City, please visit us online at maplecitybaptistchurch.com. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 26, well, at verse 23, this morning. For I received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, He break it and said, Take ye, this is my body, which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also, he took the cup, after he had supped, saying, This cup is the new testament, the new covenant in my blood. This do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as oft as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show forth the Lord's death till he come. God bless the reading of his word this morning. Last month, I did not have the opportunity to be with you, but you observed communion. The message from Pastor Dan was why we we should know why, the why of what we do. That was the message. It was really confusing to me, too, but I've got it now. To know the why of what we do. What is this all about? And I appreciate that, because it's a good foundation. We need to go back and remember why it is that we do what we do. Sometimes, traditions creep in, and we just do them and don't think about them. And so, that's a good foundation, and it's good that we often go back there. And this morning, I would like to just sort of play off of that, and talk this morning on how to think through and respond to the truth of what we do today in the Communion Supper. Because in this supper, this this simplistic and yet powerful service uh, encapsulates great truth that I honestly believe if we can get a hold of, not just for communion once a month here. And not just once a week when we gather. But if we could get a hold of these truths every day of our lives, they would completely transform the believer, you and me. And so this morning, I'm going to look just at the three statements of Christ about this supper, and then the fourth uh, point will just be what we ought to be doing about that. So, the first thing we find in this beautiful supper is the words of Christ when he says, Remember me. Remember Me. I want you to know something this morning. If you're new to our church, I've seen a lot of new faces. If you're old to our church, I saw a lot of old faces. We're not giving names out this morning. But we're here to think of Him. It's all about Him. It's not about me, it's not about you, it's about Him. And we come together to remember Him. And so this morning, we are to direct. We are to be directed to the face of the person of Jesus Christ. And it is incumbent upon us to remember him and to remember him rightly. And not just about what we're doing this morning, but the totality of his life. I would encourage each and every one of you. Sorry, I didn't quite catch that. Could you please repeat it? Shut up, Suri. She didn't catch that. Did you catch that? Modern technology. It is incumbent upon each of us to remember him and remember him rightly. Not just in this service, but in the totality of his life. My brother and sister this morning, do we take time to remember the beauty of Jesus' life. His life. The God man walked among us. And you could see his compassion and his care. It was Jesus who loved the unlovable. It was Jesus who reached out and touched the untouchable. Those who were unclean. And guess what? When Jesus touched them, he didn't become unclean. They became whole. He had a heart for those who were lonely and broken and discouraged and marginalized. This is the beauty of Jesus' life. And we should think about it, about it frequently and remember him. Remember the beauty of his life when it came to his compassion. Remember the beauty of his life when it came to his wisdom. If, if I were to ask you this morning, name the five smartest people you know. And, and just right now, think of them. What troubles me is that often in our lives when we make our list, Jesus is never on it. Can I tell you something? Newsflash. Jesus is really smart like really really smart you remember the man who was trying to get out of how to deal with his neighbor and Jesus in his wisdom gives a story one of the greatest stories in all of literature the Good Samaritan and through his wisdom he brings this man to a point of a person he would not even mention the name of to show him that this is what it means in my kingdom to love your neighbor. Who's your neighbor? Jesus says, use the story. It's everyone. He's really smart. He comes across a woman whose life has been broken. She's been used and abused and looking for love in all the wrong places. She's tried everything. And she's weary and she comes to a well and she sits. And Jesus says to her, Hey woman, can you, can you get me some water? And she says, Why are you, being a Jew, asking me, a Samaritan, for water? And they start a conversation. And Jesus says, If you knew who was asking, you would ask of me. And I would give you living water. And now her curiosity has peaked. And she says, Oh, give me that water. And Jesus says, Sure. Go grab your husband. <laughs> and there's this awkward silence for a moment. And you hear the crickets. And she says, well, I, I don't have a husband. And he says, you're right. <laughs> you had five. And the one you're with now is not yours. And then she pulls the religious card. I perceive you're a prophet. <laughs> yeah, You think? And he uses those words to pierce into her heart and to reveal that what she was looking for, she would never find outside of the living water of Christ. And then the greatest minds try to trap him. Bad idea. (laughs) Bad idea. They're in the Temple Mount and they ask of Jesus, should we give taxes and pay taxes to Caesar? And it's it's a brilliant question. It would trap anyone and everyone. There was no good answer as far as they were concerned. And Jesus says in his wisdom, give me a coin. They I mean, pull a coin they should have never had. There was, a, there was an inscription on there, or superinscription, of a man who said he was Lord. And he said, whose image is on there? And they said, Caesar's. And he says, render unto Caesar's that which is Caesar's but to God, the things that are God's. And they had nothing, nothing to say. My brother and sister this morning, look at the beauty of Jesus' life. He's really, really smart. And how could he not be? He is the wisdom of God. Wisdom for you and for me. We see the beauty of Jesus' life in even what disgusts him. We have to be careful how we say things. Sometimes we say things like, well, Jesus was always angry at the religious people. And that's not true. Because in Jesus' day, whether you were a peasant or a priest, most likely you were religious. That's not the problem. Jesus was disgusted with religious hypocrisy and pretending and play acting and saying one thing on Sunday and living another way on Monday. Of praising Jesus on Sunday and talking about everyone around the table on Sunday afternoon those are the things that irritated him he hated hypocrisy and don't we all hate hypocrisy the problem is it's not a church problem hypocrisy is a people problem and you and I are the evidence of that and Jesus despised it you see his purity in who he was call things what they are, the beauty of his life. Listen to this quote by J.C. Ryle. He said, Do you think of Christ? Begin, I beseech you, this day to have right thoughts of Christ, if you never had them before. Let the time past suffice you to have lived without real and heartfelt religion. And what he's saying there is this, if we have not been thinking about Christ rightly, then the time passed was not real and heartfelt religion. This is when I direct my attention to the person of Jesus Christ. Why? Because when we think of him in his life, oh, let me do, not skip this. We should think of him, I'm sorry, in his love. In his love. Listen to John 10. I am the good shepherd. I give my life to the sheep. I know them. They hear my voice. they follow me he goes on in chapter 15 greater love has no man than this that a man should lay down his life for his friends and then he says you are my friends and when I think that God his son not sparing Sent him to die, I scarce can take it in. That on the cross, my burden gladly bearing, he bled and died to take away my sin. This is the beauty of the life and love of Christ. And it it behooves us to think much about it, rightly about it, and practice and understand real, heartfelt religion. Because these things warm our hearts, do they not? We see the beauty of Christ. We direct our attention toward the person of Jesus Christ. Number two this morning. This time together reminds us of the death of the Lord and that is to be proclaimed. In the text that I read this morning, 1 Corinthians 11:26, he says, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he comes. It literally means you proclaim the death of the Lord so we direct our attention to the person of Christ and this morning we are to 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 think about the death of our Lord and proclaim it and how can we not when we think of the elements this morning the bread the bread so simple and yet so profound just the way to make bread that the the, the grain is crushed to powder And in the crushing of that flour comes forth bread. Bread is the staple of life. My friend, listen to me. Uh, I was here this morning, and and one of our young men came by. He baked some bread, gave me a loaf of bread. I think they're using it for communion this morning. I'm not sure. Um, But is there anything better than fresh bread with a pound of butter on it? (laughs) Amen. Not only does bread give us life, it gives us joy. And Jesus said, my body is broken for you. It will be bread, it will be life, it will be food, it will be sustenance. It will bring you joy. It's broken for you. And then the cup, we look at it and we see it and we understand. The blood was shed for you and for me. The blood was poured out for the forgiveness of sins. And so we come this morning, we direct our attention to the face of Christ. And then we're here, literally, by this death. We are to proclaim the salvation of Jesus Christ. This morning, understand that Jesus did not come to condemn the world. The world is already condemned. Already. We as rebels have turned our backs on the goodness and the glory and the righteousness of God. And we have rejected His light We have rejected the light of creation. I I mean, what what a glorious day this is. We're outside, we're enjoying nature, and most of you are still paying attention. (laughs) And you look around and you see the beauty and the artistry and the design and the order and the creativity of the God of heaven and something within us. On a night that the moon is full, or on a sunrise, or at the beach, the ocean, shouts out, we know that there is a creator God. And you have to suppress that truth and reject that truth, and mankind has done it. We reject and suppress the truth and the light of the Word of God. My friend, we have a book this morning. We have a glorious book. Christianity has the answers for all of it. We know where we come from. We know why the world is the way it is. We know where we're going, and we have the answers to all of humanity in a book, in the Word of God. And yet men and women reject that light. Not only the general revelation, but special revelation. And then you have the ultimate revelation. Jesus Christ. He's come. And we have suppressed truth. Why? Because we love darkness. And our deeds are evil. There's something sick about humanity that we we run to death. We run to death. You see it all around. And left in that condition, we will experience the wrath of Almighty God. Do you understand something? The wrath of God is already being being revealed today. You read Romans chapter 1, and Romans 1 says, the wrath of God is being revealed. And then he gives... Three times how it's revealed. He says that God has given them up to the lust of their hearts, their passions, and their debased minds. There comes a point when mankind says to God's light and direction and life, no. And so God says, okay, your will be done. And they're given over to themselves. And it's not life. It's not happiness. It's not joy. It is death. It's death. And if you read the list in Romans chapter 1, we see how it's revealed. Those who are angry continue to be angry and get worse. The lustful, the greedy, the hateful, it doesn't end. They keep on being filled with this, this wrath. They become what they want to be. And left in that condition, they will be lost eternity, eternally. You might think that people will repent in hell. They will not. They will continue to become what they want it to be. And it's terrifying. It's the worm that doesn't die. And the fire that's not quenched. And Jesus Christ said, My death is given to proclaim life. Christ came that by the death, the death of death, by the death of Jesus Christ. And my brother and sister this morning, understand that we have eternal life. And not just eternal life for the sweet by and by, but eternal life now. Jesus said, if my spirit lives within you, life bubbles up from within. Here's what our Savior did. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me uh, to preach the good news. He has sent me to bind the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captive, to open the prison to them that are bound, to comfort the mourn." they that mourn, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil for joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. This is what we proclaim today. There is hope, there is life, there is light in Jesus Christ. And when we take the bread and the cup, we understand in this meal we are pro- proclaiming his death. But not just that. It's not just for the meal. It's for ourselves. The gospel is a proclamation It is to be spoken, spoken. We are the ones to speak it, to speak it, because it's the power of God unto salvation. Do you know the demise of Rome came because believers were scattered everywhere, and you know what they did? They just started talking about Jesus. My brother and sister this morning, as we think about the death that we're to proclaim, when we start talking about Jesus, I promise you, things will happen, good and bad. But they will happen, because that name is polarizing, and that name is powerful. And so we're directed to the face of Jesus, his death is to be proclaimed among us, and then finally this morning, I say finally but that's not true, thirdly this morning, we are to remember the destiny of God's people. Jesus said, I won't drink this again until I drink it anew in my Father's kingdom. My brother and sister, may I remind you this morning that we are pilgrims and we are strangers. And we look forward to a day when all the ransomed of every tribe, language, people, and nation will sing, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive Power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. This is the destiny of every believer. This is what we're reminded of this morning. And this is what we must remind ourselves of every day. You and I, as saved saints, have been invited to the marriage feast of the Lamb. Revelation chapter 19 says, In that day the bride will come. We will gather around the table. We will recline with Christ. And we will party. And I mean party. (laughs) We will celebrate. We will rejoice. We will praise and honor the one who gave his life for us. And we will rule and reign with him. This is the destiny of the believer. And you and I, it is imperative that we think of this every day. Because it is in this destiny that allows us to endure. If I'm going on vacation... And I'm heading to Florida to fish. It's about a 23 hour drive. I can endure. I can endure all the bathroom breaks and the snacks that come and the drinks that come again afterwards, Kim. <laughs> <laughs> I can endure the weariness. I can endure the traffic. I can endure the frustration because I know in just a few hours I'll be fishing on the beach. Believe her, this life is hard. Life is sad at times. It is frustrating. But when I know the destination, when I know what the end is, I know where I'm going, and I know what waits ahead for me, I can endure. I can endure the trouble. I can endure the struggle. I can endure it all the ups and downs of life. Why? Because the destiny of God's people is glorious. May I remind you this morning, we win. Listen, Mr. Trudeau is not Lord. Mr. Ford is not Lord. Mr. Biden is not Lord. (laughs) Mr. Putin is not Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. And he is our Lord. And our destiny is sure. It's sure. And what awaits for us we can't even fathom. These people, their idea that they're bored with heaven, you have no idea what heaven is. How could you be bored in a world that's completely pure and good and righteous and that the creator who created this will continue to be creative? It's going to be glorious. And that's our destiny. And so we must remember all of these things. And in light of that now, finally, this morning, this should make us disciples with a purpose. When our, when our minds and our hearts are directed toward the face of Christ, when his death is proclaimed every day in our lives, through our lives and our words, and when we know the destination that awaits us, it should make us disciples with a purpose. What is a disciple? It's a learner, a follower of Jesus Christ. And maybe if you're new to this gig, you don't understand, but when you become a follower of Jesus Christ, it means, by his grace... And all of my strength, I'm going to follow his life, his words, his teachings, his actions, and his responses. A few years back, I say a few years, I say a few years for everything now. It's like 40 years ago. But a few years back, there was the what would Jesus do? Remember, WW, what would, JD, right? Nothing wrong with that. But I think we're delusional as believers So we come to church on Sunday, and then we live any way we want to live. And then, when it comes time, and we're called upon to respond like Jesus would respond, by loving your enemy, by praying for those who hurt you, by forgiving, we think, well, that's what Jesus would do, so I'm just going to do it. And my friend, that's not how real life works. We will not do what He did if we don't live like He lived. And that goes beyond today. It goes beyond communion. It goes beyond Sunday. You and I must live like Jesus lived. Do you know Jesus prayed? Christian, you are to pray. And to always pray and faint not. Do you know that Jesus had times of meditation upon the word? Do you know that that Jesus uh, had times of solitude? That he got away from everything, the noise and the racket and all the stuff. He shut the phone off, (coughs) the computer off, and just stopped to be refreshed and encouraged and have direction. He had discipline, fasting. We must look to the cross and see the whole life of Jesus Christ and follow Him. Often our daily conduct may not be in keeping with our divine calling, and this is a problem. The Western church is failing. It's failing. Look around. People name the name of Christ and nothing is happening. Could you imagine if we as God's people literally looked like, acted like, sounded like Jesus Christ, in our homes, at our places of work, in our neighborhoods and even in our church this morning. If our responses, if our attitudes, if what we did, if what we enjoyed looked like Jesus Christ, it would turn the world upside down. And I say this morning, this is great because now I'm feeling really guilty and we have communion this morning. Guilt is not a bad thing. There are times when it is, and you shouldn't carry it. But when it's a function of the Spirit, and we're guilty about what we've not been doing, it should make us pay attention. And so, in light of that, in light of what we've heard this morning, if you're feeling like, hey, there's some things to do, then I invite you this morning to come to the cup and to the, and to the bread, to direct your face toward the beauty of the person of Jesus Christ, to see his death proclaimed, not only in this cup, but in our changed lives and the lives of others. And to understand the destiny of God's people. And this morning as we gather together, may we take the cup, and may we take the bread, and find grace, and forgiveness, and life, and hope, and power. And may we leave this place this morning refreshed, understanding that we are disciples that have a purpose. And don't soon forget what has been said here and what has been done here. If we could take this and tomorrow morning direct our thoughts toward the beauty of Christ, proclaim his death the way we live and what we say, understand our destiny, I promise you, our lives would begin to be transformed. And as a pastor, this is what I want for myself, And this is what I want for every one of our people, that we might be like him. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, thank you for this morning. God, I I glory in the fact that it's supposed to rain all day today, and we've enjoyed this time. I thank you for this gathering, our friends and guests who are here. Lord, I pray if there's one here that doesn't know you as Savior, that that they would continue the conversation, that your Spirit would continue to speak to their hearts and lives, you'd open their eyes to the truth of your gospel. And Lord, for those of us who know you as we come around the table now, I pray that we would embrace the cup and the bread. No matter what faults or, or failures that we had of last week, may we embrace the hope and the light and the love that we find in Christ and come with hearts full of gratitude and worship and thanksgiving. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.